0: Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad.
1: Welcome to Business Owners Radio, Episode 91. In today's show shy and I will be talking with Dr. Sharon Spano. Sharon is a PhD in human and organizational systems. She is an author, corporate business strategist, workforce expert, professional speaker, and former radio host of WorkSmart Live. Sharon empowers business leaders and entrepreneurs to maximize performance, improve employee engagement, and increase bottom line results. She is dedicated to helping others adopt new paradigms about time and money so they can step into radical abundance in every area of their lives. Her newly released book, The Pursuit of Time and Money, Step into Radical Abundance and Discover the Secret of a Meaningful, Prosperous Life, is grounded in research in adult human development. Good morning, Sharon. Welcome to Business Owners Radio.
2: Good morning, Craig, and I want to thank both you and Shai for having me on board.
1: And we're looking forward to our time with you today also, sharing your book about time and money. What was the driving force that inspired you to spend volumes of time and money to write this book?
2: Well, that's a great question, Craig. I mean, an evolutionary process, you know, many, many things coming up to work a wide variety of clients, both entrepreneurs, small business owners, and large uh, corporate environments where I saw that people struggle with these almost daily and often don't even realize because it's sometimes at a subconscious level, uh, particularly if we're in a scarce perspective where decisions, and decisions without really understanding how time and money, you know, are impacting those. Things. I think in a, you know, a very concrete way on one level, but there are many underlying dynamics within our own systems that keep us from really understanding some of the dynamics that exist there. Uh, and there was one bit that I like to share I had an employee that I put quite a bit of time, money, and energy into, and for whatever reason, time unbeknownst to me, I just couldn't get the gentleman to produce. And he was a very, very bright man uh, with a great background, and I had brought him on board for some specific markets that I wanted to move into, and I just couldn't get him to produce. And one day, we were at a conference, and I asked a question that I thought was very simple. I, I asked, what is it that you believe about people who have money? and his response shocked me. He said, I believe they're greedy, egocentric, and oppressive. And it was in that moment that I realized his worldview, his paradigms were so strong in terms of a scarcity perspective that, I mean, you know, why would he want to make money? And so eventually that led to my having to terminate. But it began a point of curiosity as I dive deeper into my research. And I began to notice, it's sort of like, you know, when you buy a white car, you see white cars all over the road. I began to notice that, you know, these were real issues with many of the CEOs or business owners that I worked with as well. So we we began to explore it through the developmental lens. And the result of that was the time money inventory uh, that we now have available for my clients and uh, even your listeners. it's It's a pro bono confidential assessment that helps people see where they fall in that spectrum between scarcity and abundance.
1: Sharon, where do some of our attitudes regarding money come from?
2: Most of them, like anything else, start with childhood experiences. So, uh, one of the examples that I like to offer is, and I see this even with CEOs who have been brought up perhaps in very responsible families, very responsible environments, but they're almost overly responsible to the point in fear-based decisions. And the example I like to give is the highly responsible father who might show up in a fear-based scarcity conversation the moderate and and that's what's so exciting to me craig when you look at the relationships that are occurring in the moderate ranges because they can often look like the same thing the responsible father who's doing all the right things he's working hard saving money, but perhaps is so fear-based in that saving and responsibility that he doesn't take his family on vacation. And I literally, I had a client who went with his children to Disney World right here in our very own town because he was so, and, and it wasn't a question of not having the money. It was a question of that not being a value. So part of what we're looking at in the conversation is what are those early childhood stories? How are they impacting our potential to be either in scarcity or abundance? Because the tools to go deeper into who we are in terms of our and states and, and lines of, of development, because they're so obvious that we, we interface with them each and every day. But they're interesting in that when you look at how we access them and use them and choices that we make, what you'll begin to see is how they affect the relationship in our life. So what we value most is where we're going to invest our time and money. So another example I could give you that I didn't even realize until I was actually writing the book myself is even in my own world, I had a period of, of high scarcity before I met my husband who lives in abundance, by the way. And when I began to think about where did that come from? In the writing of the book, I realized I came from a divorced family. My father pretty much got custody of us for whatever reason and deposited his mother's home, but he wasn't really involved. And my mother was out of the picture altogether. And what I heard from my grandparents and aunts were comments like, you know, your dad's not paying for you guys. You know, he's not supporting you. That was an ongoing theme. So even though I didn't have the presence at that time as a child to determine what all of that meant... There was ingrained within me an understanding that I'm not valuable. I'm not worth it. No one is investing in me and I back I probably carried that well into my 20s and I think for many of us uh, particularly women that kind of conversation in an internal way can show up uh, in the way we ask for raises and the way that we even position ourselves for roles in our work environments in the men that we choose to have in our lives you know it goes on and on and on so again all I'm trying to do is start a conversation to have people explore and then we have the assessment of course to help people, begin to look at those very early metrics around where I might fall on the spectrum between scarcity and abundance. And then the book, of course, goes deeper into all of this because we're looking at it through uh, an integral perspective, a systemic perspective, and offering practices that will help people get into reflective internal dialogue so that they can explore these conversations on their own and really learn where changes need to be made.
3: Sharon, when did you recognize that you were caught in this story from your childhood around scarcity?
2: I think at some level, I knew it because as you're growing up, you obviously have some level of awareness of where your parents were in the picture and where they weren't. But I really didn't identify it in research around adulthood because you know part of, of doing research and learning is you're exploring your own consciousness. When I got into determining and looking at the differentiations between scarcity and abundance with respect to time and money is when it became very obvious to me. And again, I was lucky that I married a man who totally is about abundance. And so, he's he's always supported everything that I've done in my career and in my educational journey and, and so forth. So, you know, when you live around that all the time, you become that. But if I had married another human being who was also coming from a scarcity background, I don't know that I would be who I am today. It's just amazing to me how you can meet an individual, that even those early childhood phase. The journey along the way, we have to look at the systemic underlying dynamics in an organization and how those same types of conversations might be playing out simply because it may not be serving the old
3: yeah, I work with business owners that have a story similar to yours, that there was something within them, within their childhood and environment they grew up with. And so many are children of immigrants, and sometimes the first ones that have, have gone to school in their family are the first ones that tried to feel like they had to establish something for themselves, and they show responsibility. And you were able to move forward from this. And how do you help people move forward from that place of scarcity?
2: Well, for me, I grew up in an inner city environment in Los Angeles. So there was a history of poverty, you know, that I was dropped into. And I can't really tell you how or why, you know, I just always knew I was going to get out and do something different in my life. And, and that's part of where my passion comes from, because I see many business owners struggling with these very same issues. And often, the husband and wife are in very different places. So even if the husband you know, has a company or, or if it's a successful CEO and he's willing to take those risks and, and venture out, you know maybe it's the wife who's holding him back because she's or So part of how we help is, as I mentioned earlier, um, I do a lot of systemic strategic work with companies where we really explore what's working, what's not working, who are the players, because sometimes it's not even time and money, but it could be uh, what I see so often. It's the relationships, as I said earlier, where we hold on to that toxic employee too long because we don't want to invest in the process of trying to find a replacement or we don't want to spend the time training and developing the next person. So part of what I do is I'm going in and I'm through several lenses that help me identify exactly what is going on in the culture. And then from there, we can engage in a process that helps them begin to see what needs to change as i said earlier and that sometimes can look like you know really i'm working with a client in the morning for instance where we're reevaluating their vision mission value their whole strategic plan so it can be something that concrete often it's leadership development sometimes it's about one-on-one coaching with someone who maybe is just you know stuck or holding the team Sometimes it's about just walking along with that key leader, whether he's a CEO or independent, who just needs someone alongside of him to help him explore where he might need to be stronger in his leadership capacity or even how he systematically looks at, you know, where the organization needs to go.
3: So one way this can show up is, you know, this tendency to be hold on to a relationship with an employee that, you know, is toxic.
2: I see that a lot, yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. And how else does this show up?
2: Uh, it shows up often in the decisions that are made. Like, as you guys know, right now, we're in a, a very rapidly changing environment and it's not going to get slower. It's going to get quicker, faster and faster and faster, I should say. So sometimes, uh, in fact, I was reading something yesterday that the technology is moving it like I think it was 15 times faster than what we as human beings can can even keep up with. So I'll see. Leaders holding on to what worked before, and they're afraid to make the changes that they need to make. When- That's, you know, pairing back in terms of staff or even moving forward with new product services. So I think what's really important in today's market is that we stay very on top of the changes to the best of our ability, but we have to be willing and able to adapt the demands. And that's a time and money issue because everybody's looking at, you know, I'm being chased faster and faster and do I have enough time to, to make the changes to get it done? Is it easier to just stay in this quo? Um, Do I want to invest in this new product and service? If we're not conscious of where we are internally in our own storylines and our own state of development, we can really get tripped up. So an example that I can offer you both when we talk about this, our developmental moves are not hierarchical in the traditional sense, but it helps to have a picture of that. And what I like to offer my clients is if you can imagine a mountain. You know, Mount Everest or whatever, the first stages would be like your early base camps, you know, that you get to and you have a fairly good view of the valley, but you can't see all of it because you're at, you know, base camp one, two, or three. But as you climb that mountain, as you move up in those developmental stages vertically, you now have a broader. Perspective of that valley below. And you can see how things did, how the river runs through to the, the various villages and whatnot. That's what developmental movement looks like. So that if I'm at the earlier stages, and most business owners fall in the expert to achiever stage, as we call them, 60% of US business owners fall there. So those are great, very successful business, a very robust life in those places. But the ones that go to the the later stages are able to see things more from a global perspective. They can see how all the systems interconnect. They might have more of a worldview that is far broader than someone who's in the earlier stages. And so how that will show up in terms of time, money, and, and the scarcity conversation we're having is the expert stage, for instance, often focuses more on efficiency. So you'll see engineers, their attorneys, doctors, very technical in their fields, where the achiever stage is more about fitness. And they're often where your entrepreneurs, your small business owners land. And so they're exploring. My my husband is an entrepreneur. He has a great saying, you can't hunt from the cave. He's always out looking for business and deals. You know, he's not the guy that's going to sit in the office all day long. Neither of them are wrong. And it's not about putting anyone in a category or boxing them in. But what I like my clients to understand is where they fall in, again, in that vertical horizontal spectrum, because with awareness comes opportunity for change. And it's exciting. You know, people love to kind of reflect in those ways. And then it helps them do what they need to do in their organizations or their businesses in ways that they may not have thought of otherwise.
1: Sharon, tell me a little bit more about what it's like in an environment of
2: abundance. Well, I like to talk about it in the framework, and the subtitle for the book is step into radical abundance and discover a secret to a meaningful, prosperous life. And I think of radical abundance as having this meaningful life of joy and prosperity, no matter what your life circumstances are. And so, you know, we we can look at indigenous cultures, for example. I was down in Costa Rica a couple years ago, and I remember being quite struck in areas by what I deemed at my initial look as poverty. And after a couple of days, what I realized is, yeah, these people may not have, you know, a Mercedes in every driveway or a five bedroom home. But they were prosperous people. They love their lives. They're happy people. They're very much about family. So I think that's a part of what we always fall into in the Western world is we think every culture should have what we have. But prosperity really is a mindset. It's a place to come from, not a place to get to. And to me, that abundant perspective is about, well, I talk about the cycle of freedom. So we look at time and money from a stewardship perspective which in turn breeds more compassion, generosity, and gratitude. And then, as I said earlier, it affects your love of self and and your relationships. And there's an element of humility that falls into play there that allows us to create and be happy with whatever we have. Because one of the things that I talk about in the book is the flow of money. Sometimes we have more than others. You know, time and money are both abstract and concrete at the same time. And so part of what I feel is our role in business is to know how to maneuver our ways through time and money. And what I see most often, and I know you guys probably see this with some of your business owners, entrepreneurs, is because as entrepreneurs, we're wearing so many hats, we often either a lot of time and no money because we don't have the business or we have a lot of money and no time and so there's kind of this dynamic within our family and business systems i think that we can explore and then again we'll have awareness but it all comes from understanding where it begins how it's impacting where i am now and then what are the things i want to do moving forward to experience true prosperity and true abundance and what it takes
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Sharon. We really enjoyed our time with you.
2: Well, thank you. I enjoyed the conversation. I appreciate your questions. Sharon,
1: is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners?
2: Well, I think for anyone in business, one last thing that I might add is it behooves, I think, every business owner to become a student of human behavior because we're in the people business and sometimes we forget So it goes back to the earlier premise that I mentioned around what is it that you value? You know, where your treasure is, there is your heart. And so how are you utilizing time and money? Is there room for you to examine your early childhood stories and your paradigms around skill and abundance? And then once you determine that, look to how is it impacting your relationships with your clients, your employees, and even those people that you love and serve overall. And I
1: know your book has just released and it's available on Amazon. Is that right?
2: It's available on Amazon. And we're also encouraging people to go to com forward slash. BOR for your show, there as well. And we they're available. We have a free chapter of the book so they can see what it's about before they purchase. And also, the endorsements I think are quite remarkable. I'm very pleased with those. And we have the Time Money Inventory that I mentioned earlier available. Once you order, you'll get the uh, link for that immediately. And then I've also written uh, the Radical Abundance Manifesto, that I think is a brief way for people to jump into what abundance and prosperity can really look like.
1: Our guest today has been Dr. Sharon Spano, corporate business strategist, workforce expert, professional speaker, and author of The Pursuit of Time and Money. Step into radical abundance and discover the secret to a meaningful, prosperous life. You can learn more about Sharon as well as find links to her recent book and all the excellent downloads she mentioned in our show notes at businessownersradio.com. This episode has been sponsored by Align for Business. That's a line, the number four, business.com.
0: Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show. And, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.